0: And now it's time to sit back and enjoy the two true freaks internet radio broadcast. Hang on a minute, who put you in charge, and who the hell are you anyway?
1: I'm the Doctor. I'm a Time Lord. I'm from
2: the planet Gallifrey, the constellation of Castelberus. I'm 903 years old, and I'm the man who's going to save your lives and all six billion people on the planet below. No
1: problem with that. No. In that
0: case, I do Would you like a jelly bean? Oh.
1: My Sarah Jane. Wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. Oi, watch it, man. Oi, watch it, earth girl. I will teach you the folly of your words, doctor! <laughs> uh, Smith, Dr. John Smith. This is Duggan. He's a detective who's been kind enough to catch
2: me. You always were an optimist, weren't you?
1: Thank you for the compliment. I really want to go. Hello. Mate in six moves, master. You, you,
2: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Who True Freaks, where a bunch of your favorite podcasters and myself get together to talk about Doctor Who. I am Dave Walker, and joining me today, we have the pleasure of not only Chris Tyler, but also Blaine Dyler, he of What Blaine Says from Listen to the Prophets. Hello, guys! <laughs> yeah. Hello? Is, is, is that what the, the thing's called in Listen to the Prophets? Is it, is, is that the right thing?
0: Yeah, that's what they're, they're calling it, so. On my end, it's just emails about every episode, because <laughs> I've watched the whole series, and they haven't
2: recorded the whole series, so. yeah, getting in early to make sure. Oh, they'll,
3: they'll get there. Yeah, they'll yep. get there.
2: They're working their way through. They're doing good work. But yes, today we are going to be talking about the finale of the 10th season of the recent Doctor Who, World Enough in Time, and The Doctor Falls. But first, we should probably chat about what Essentially, we talked about it on the last episode, except it was speculation last time. So the new doctor's been announced. Yes. If, and if I, if I had have gotten that out maybe a week or, uh, you know, a week after we recorded it, it would have been, you know, on point and on time. <laughs> Instead, it's after the fact and all of the speculation is just hilarious. Um, so it's it,
3: quite all right because what happened sort of <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> What actually happened kind of blew everybody's minds anyway.
2: Yeah, I, I had no clue they were going to announce it until the morning of it when they said, oh yeah, we're going to be announcing the new Doctor Who after the tennis matches. Well, when did they decide this? Why is this the first time hearing about it? What's going on? So, yes, new Doctor Who, number 13, is Jodie Whittaker. I do not know her from anything, really.
3: I have watched every episode of Broadchurch, and she is a fantastic actress. Uh, so I saw her face pop up, and I was like, "Oh, this is really interesting." So I'm I'm all I'm ready to roll. I am all on board because uh, Broadchurch is heavy, heavy stuff. Uh, so I'm dying to see what she can do with a slightly more whimsical uh, character, if they go that route. Yeah. If it's going to be darker, she can absolutely do it, because some of the, her scenes on Broadchurch are, are heart-rippingly effective.
2: Liam, you've seen her in anything at all?
0: I haven't, actually. Broadchurch has been on my two-watch list for a while, but i pushed it down a few slots, because you know they made the announcement I looked her up on the IMDb, and I saw an actress who's got a history of doing high-quality shows, who's a respected actress, that I have no context for. So I'm going to try to avoid anything she's in. Ah. So I'm going in with a clean slate and no expectations for her.
3: That's not bad either.
2: That's pretty much the way I'm going in. I think the one actor who I had the most context for was Christopher Eccleston. Um, I kind of knew Peter Capaldi from The Thick of It, but I've never really watched The Thick of It. So... I had no clue about him. It's basically just like the same as the other doctors. Though, I am finding it a little bit hilarious that she's currently in a TV show over here at the minute where she's playing someone pretending to be a doctor. I think that's what the gist of it is.
3: Yeah, yeah I heard about that too.
2: That's going ahead. <laughs> Do- is is this is this why she was picked just so that they could have this little kind of in joke with
3: themselves? Well, the, cl- the clear connection is Broadchurch's uh, Chibnall's joint, ah. um, so I'm sure he's comfortable working with her, uh, and I'm sure it was uh, you know the middle finger to all the people that's like you can't have a female doctor, um, and I I was just yeah you know, I'm just ple- I'm pleased by it. Uh, personally, just because, like I said, I I had seen her her stuff on Broadchurch. So I really just want to see what she does as the Doctor.
2: (laughs) I'm still surprised that people were surprised that it was going to be a female Doctor. I mean... They've been kind of leading up to it the last couple of seasons. Pretty much.
3: Stuff that they've dropped.
0: Oh, especially the episodes we're about to talk about. There's Oh, yes. If you saw those and were still surprised... It's like, were you not paying attention? Yeah, <laughs> they were warming us up to it and preparing us for the reveal.
2: Yeah, they, they could have just flat out said, "Hey, I'm going to be a woman next time," and people would still be annoyed. But they were they were leading up to it essentially for the entirety of Capaldi's run. They were planning to do this because that's when they introduced Missy.
3: Even before that, when they did, when they brought uh, <clears throat> the uh, oh god, now I'm totally blanking on his name. The the night of the doctor when they brought uh, him back, uh, when the Sisterhood of Kind says, "What do you want to be, man, woman, young, old?" So they even they even had it going even earlier than that. Yeah, the Paul McGann doctor there. McGann, Jesus, I couldn't
2: believe the
0: Yeah, time. no, that was right before the fiftieth. But they they even dropped in a thing when uh, Tenet regenerated into Matt Smith. Yeah, and he had the long, well, bangs oh, in girl. North America, yeah. French in Britain. And he sees the fringe. He's like, "Am I a girl now?" And felt the rest of his body and said, "Nope, still a guy." But still clearly, that at that work. stage, the the possibility was there.
2: Yeah, I think I've always thought the possibility was there, but I think kind of defining that they were definitely going to go that way kind of only started solidifying after um, they confirmed it was a possibility with uh, what was it the was it wife of the doctor, uh, the Neil Gaiman episode where they're in the weird kind of place where the TARDIS becomes a person.
0: Oh, right, yeah. And it becomes Idris. Yeah. yeah.
2: And one of the um, other Time Lords had been there and had previously been a woman, or was currently a woman, and they found his or her arm. I can't remember which way round it was.
3: It's been a while since yeah. I've watched that
0: one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's also uh, Curse yeah. of the Fatal Death, written by Stephen <laughs> Moffat, in which Rowan Atkinson's doctor eventually regenerates into... You know, Hugh Grant at one point and eventually into Andy McDowell. Oh.
2: Wasn't that Joanna Lumley?
0: Yes, Joanna Lumley. I stand corrected.
3: I was going to say, I, I don't think they would have got a Yankee for that part, right? Yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, that would be a little odd. I mean, they, they did allow the master to go American, you know?
3: Eric Roberts? Eric Roberts. My favorite Yeah, master, but that was also when it. it was a joint Fox production. <laughs> I know. So.
2: I think if they could have, if they could have had the the doctor be American in that production, they would have.
3: More than uh, likely, yes. Uh,
2: but you know, lots of planets have an America, right? No, they
3: don't. They it's... have a North. Oh, they okay. don't have
2: an America. I, I, I'm not entirely sure how that works, accent wise. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm... How it works is an uh, American
0: spacecraft have to just be there earlier to leave behind just one random book that an entire civilization decides to base itself on.
3: Oh was like Star Trek. A so, couple
0: of Star Trek. yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm flashing back to the the one with the uh, what is it? Declaration of Independence and the whole kind of um, gangster world.
1: Uh, so little piece of the action. Of, yep. Yeah,
2: gangster world was fun. Oh yeah. Yes, uh, I've,
0: I've got five star gangster Spock and gangster Kirk in Star Trek timelines, but this is not <laughs> no consoles for old men. This is. Who <laughs> <should> <laughs>
2: yeah. Although I need to get to recording one of those soon because I've I, I've built a computer. It it has got many many more games on it now. It's it's great. It's distracting
3: <laughs> but great. You didn't program in any any AI, right?
2: No. Uh, okay. Good. I, I haven't programmed in quite a while, but yeah, it's all right. It's yeah. If I could program stuff for it, I would, but I I don't have that much free time.
3: I'm just saying, you know. Keep the evil AI down.
2: Well it's not it's not always evil. It's just in most cases. Misunderstood. It's it it just turns into evil, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, the main thing is you just don't want to help approach singularity.
2: Hmm.
0: Speaking of which
2: Yeah. That's very, very good segue. Which apparently because of a present my sister bought my dad, I'm going to be using at some point. <laughs> in case you're wondering, we're going on a segue tour. All uh, right. Yeah, just throw that in there for fun. All
3: um, right, but as you were saying...
2: Yes. Uh, that leads us nicely into the episode... Uh, episodes, World Enough and Time and the Doctor Falls. So, the World Enough and Time and the Doctor Falls aired on the 24th of June and the 1st of July, 2017. It starred Peter Capaldi as the 12th Doctor, Pearl Mackie as Bill Potts, Matt Lucas as Nardole, Michelle Gomez as Missy, John Sim as the Master... Oliver Landley as George, uh, Paul Brightwell as the surgeon, Alison Linnett as the nurse, Nicholas Briggs as the voice of the Cyberman, Samantha Spiro as Hazran, Breenish Shan as Alit, Rosie Boer as Gazron, Simon Coons as Rex Hill, Stephanie Hyam as Heather. It is two episodes, so we have a lot more cast in this. Yes. Uh, both episodes were directed by Rachel Talalay, uh, both written by Stephen Moffat, produced by Peter Bennett, and executive produced by Stephen Moffat and Brian Minchin. In the cold open, the Doctor emerges from the TARDIS onto a snowscape and collapses, beginning to regenerate. Earlier, the Doctor proposed to test Missy's atonement by having her, alongside Bill and Nardole, answer a distress call. They arrive via the TARDIS on a giant colony ship, reversing away from a black hole. They are held at gunpoint by the solitary pilot George, who demands to know which of them is human, fearing creatures that are arriving by the lift. Bill admits to being human and George shoots her. Humanoid figures, wearing cloth masks and hospital gowns, take Bill's body away, claiming they can restore her. Right before the lifts depart, the doctor telepathically tells Bill to wait for him. The doctor, Missy and Nardole learn from George that two days previously, some of the human bridge crew had gone down to the lower levels of the ship to start the engine reversal, but they never returned. George claims the ship had only 50 people two days ago, but Nardole shows that there are actually thousands of life forms below. They are the descendants of the crew and, due to the time dilation from the black hole, time moves faster at the ship's lower levels than at the bridge, and a year has already passed for Bill. The Doctor incapacitates George and, along with Missy and Nardole, departs below in a lift. Bill awakens in a hospital where she finds that she has been fitted with a mechanical device that serves as her replacement heart. Razor, one of the hospital's employees, shows her around and explains that some of the patients are waiting to be upgraded for Operation Exodus, to escape the polluted air of the ship's lower levels. Years later they see see footage from the bridge of the Doctor coming down in the lift. However, Razor then tricks Bill into becoming the next upgrade subject. Upon arriving, the Doctor and Nardole explore the hospital while Missy tries to determine the origin of the colony ship she finds the vessel is from a twin of Earth, Mondas. Razor approaches her and insists she has been here before, and that the Doctor will never forgive her for what has happened to Bill. When she denies it, Razor removes his disguise, revealing himself to be the Master, Missy's earlier incarnation. The Doctor and Nardole find an operating theatre where a Mondasian Cyberman, from when the Doctor first encountered them, emerges from a closet. The Cyberman identifies itself as formerly being Bill Potts. The Master and Missy then explain they are all witnessing the genesis of the Cyberman. The Cyberman tells the Doctor, I waited for you, as underneath its face cover, Bill sheds a tear. Having found Bill has been converted into a Cyberman, the Doctor ends up being captured by the Master and Missy. Fortunately, or unfortunately, depending on your point of view, the Doctor had earlier surreptitiously reprogrammed the Cybernet to target Time Lords as well, forcing them all to flee. Nord arrives in a commandeered shuttlecraft to rescue them. Before they can escape however, the Doctor is electrocuted by a Cyberman, but is saved by Bill. They evacuate to a higher level of the ship, containing a solar farm, populated by children and a few adults fighting off early Cyberman prototypes. The Doctor recovers, but suppresses the early signs of regeneration. Bill initially remains unaware of her transformation, her strong mind acting like a perception filter, until one of the children inadvertently reveals the truth to her. Bill sheds a tear, which the Doctor calls a hopeful sign. Missy and the Master discover a camouflaged lift, a possible escape route, but when they call for it, an upgraded Cyberman arrives, which the group destroys. The Doctor warns that the time dilation affords Cybermen more time to evolve and strategize. Nardole discovers the floor directly below the solar farm contains fuel pipes. He is able to trigger controlled explosions, which are used to exaggerate the human's defensive strength and defeat the Cybermen's initial attack. Knowing this ploy only delays their inevitable defeat, the Doctor instructs Nardole to lead the human community to a solar farm on another floor and remain there to safeguard them. Bill stays to fight with the Doctor, Despite the Doctor's impassioned plea, Missy and the Master abandon them, intending to take the lift to the lowest level and escape in the Master's TARDIS. Missy, however, changes her mind and stabs the Master, which will trigger his next regeneration. He retaliates by shooting her in the back with his laser screwdriver, telling her she will not regenerate. Both laugh over the irony of their mutual betrayal before the Master departs. An army of Cybermen arrive but are ordered off by the Doctor until he falls after being shot. Surrounded, the Doctor ignites all of the fuel pipes, engulfing the farm in a fireball and destroying or disabling the Cybermen. The Doctor lies still as Bill kneels beside him. She suddenly finds herself outside her Cybermen body in her human form. Heather, the girl from the pilot, appears having found Bill through her tears. She saves Bill by transforming her into an entity like herself. They leave the Doctor inside his TARDIS, and Heather invites Bill to explore the universe with her. Bill sheds tears for the Doctor before leaving her with Heather. The TARDIS then arrives in a snowy landscape, and the Doctor awakens, briefly dazed and confused. Refusing to keep continually changing, he emerges and seemingly stops his regeneration. Within, the cloister bell signs an alarm as the Doctor encounters his original incarnation. The End
3: oh boy, lots to talk about
2: <laughs> yes mm-hmm. so it starts with the end again they they, they seem to like doing this uh, in the past few seasons where they kind of show you what's going to happen at the end and they jump back to an earlier part of the story for us which in this case was the the introduction of Missy as Doctor Who <laughs> <laughs> What what did you and, think of that?
3: Um it's been kind of building towards her trying to redeem herself uh, at, at least that's you know what we think is is going on and and it's it's clearly what the doctor wants. Um and they just they play it pretty straight, you know. It's it, we don't get the the doctor for a little bit. It's just her and it's her taking the piss out of the whole <laughs> the whole uh, flow of the show anyway. I mean, she's commenting on all of the tropes of the show yeah <laughs> which i i thought it was cute uh, a little on the nose but at this point if you're if you've been watching the show it's it's nice to have a chuckle about it hmm. um but uh it's it's played pretty well i mean that i i can't remember michelle gomez's portrayal of Missy is always a delight to watch <laughs> so uh i just i just went with it you know
2: yeah, I have to say that is one of the disappointing things about these episodes is that it looks like it's the last time we're gonna see Missy. Uh, hopefully, hopefully not.
3: Uh, well, yeah. wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. You never know.
2: Yeah. Liam, what do you think of what happened at the start?
0: It's. I like that. I'm. I'm not a fan of sort of giving you a flash of the ending and then coming back. Often it, it feels like a cheat
1: hmm.
0: that writers use when they don't have a strong opener. So they tease a high-action moment from the end to try and get that to entice you not to change the channel. But then we had that Missy opening, which I think was strong enough to open it. They didn't need yeah. to tease the regeneration. I think they yeah. could have just gone right with Missy hmm. and kept that as a greater surprise.
2: Yeah, they they did kind of spoil a couple of surprises in this, which, you know, I don't know that they could have kept it secret. Um, the Master in particular...
3: Yeah, that got, that got leaked, right? Because I'm watching the episode, and I'm going, I thought this was a multi-master story. And then the, his reveal happens, and I'm like, How, why did they spoil that? That was great.
0: Yeah, because it was actually, I think it was the uh, coming up this season at the end of the pilot, when they were showing the footage where we see not just the Master, but the Bondassian Cybermen. Yeah. And it was the only teaser I saw at the end of any episodes, it was like, oh man, I didn't want to know they were coming. So I started skipping the, the previews at the end of each episode. <laughs> but by the time I get to the, the two-part series finale, or season finale, it's like, okay, well, I guess they're coming now.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think the poster for it also kind of gives it away. The poster's kind of nice, though. but
3: It's nice, but that's... why yeah. You shouldn't have released that until after the episode. Because I had... I like, John Sims in this, right? Yeah. And it was So it was him under the makeup. Yeah. Actually playing razor. I'm like, what? That's a, that, that I would, would, I would have been bull if I was him. Cause that's a really great performance he did as a completely different character.
2: Yeah. The thing I loved about that entire thing is that when I watch the old ones and I see someone in pretty, not quite right makeup, you can tell it's someone under makeup. I go, it's going to be a Master episode! And if I get spoiled that it's going to be a Master episode beforehand, it's just disappointing. I love going, that guy's the Master! He's going to take the mask off and be the Master! It's going to be great! And it was. He actually finally got to play the Master I think he wanted to. Because the Master we've seen him play before was not the running around in disguises and you know no. having having well what looks like creepy fun with bill and just torturing her for the better part of a decade
3: no the the saxon version of the master was a very broken version of the master yeah I still liked it but it's not the traditional version of the master missy and, was yeah. far more the traditional version of the master than than saxon was
2: yeah and i mean i think that was he really wanted to play the running round in Disguise master with the kind of grand plan and he finally got to do it and he had a beard
3: so yeah the goatee yes
2: <laughs> lost my train of thought uh, So right. yeah. oh well yes so yeah so far we just got
0: the the feedback yeah. on on Missy's so, introduction
2: yeah sorry it's I think I was going to go on to the fact that they actually killed Bill.
3: Yeah, they didn't, mm-hmm. though. Uh, yeah. uh, that's uh, that's one of the few complaints I have about the show in the last couple of seasons. They just can't... They'll, they'll have sad endings for some of the companions, but they just won't outright kill them. Um, Amy and Rory go back in time, but they live happily ever after. We get that. Uh, the Impossible Girl... Yeah eventually she's going to die, but she runs off in a TARDIS to have her own adventures. Couldn't just kill her. And it's the same with Bill. Something horrible happens to her, still just can't let her die. You know? And it's a shame, because she was a character that wasn't the uh, storybook character like Amy or the bad wolf or the impossible girl. She was just a regular kid. And they kind of take some of that normal specialness away from her at the end of this episode. So that was a little disappointing, but I mean, I guess it's, I mean, they, at least it calls back to that first episode of the season, Yeah. but just, you can, you can actually have some of these companions die. I mean, that's kind of the, the doctor realizes people that travel with him may die. You know, he's always going to be haunted by that. It's Okay. Mm -hmm.
2: I mean, the closest we've gotten is either River Song or Captain Jack, because they both died, but were brought back in other ways. As in, Bad Wolf brought her back, brought back Captain Jack, and you know, the computer thing kept River alive for whatever reason. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. It does. It. I I agree with Chris that it felt like it kind of cheapened Bill's path a bit to have. Heather reappear and say, I could put you back exactly the way you were if you want. It's just Adams. But you have a choice. So she she could come back completely restored and essentially bring her back to life exactly the way she was. And it's I mean, sometimes the the death of a companion is what it takes to get the doctor to turn around. It makes me feel almost like they love that big season four finale where they brought back, you know, Rose and Martha. And everybody else, and they want to leave the door open to do that. So they're writing in ways for the companions to almost die, but still have guest appearances down the road. Whereas, you know, looking back at classic Who, I mean, look at Erdrich. He found his own, or not Erdrich, sorry, Adric, hmm. finally fell into his own when he died in that noble sacrifice. The fact that he was not coming back is what made... Earthshock and Adric's character actually finally gel and come together. Sometimes you need that motivator and for the amount of danger that the Doctor's companions are exposed to the Doctor has now died more often than his companions which makes sense because he's the star he was the one that regenerates but there's proportionally too few casualties for the stories they're telling,
2: Mm -hmm. I think. Has anyone really properly died since Adric? Because I, I I don't know that they have I, I I don't remember anyone kind of dying and staying that way.
0: Um, well, there's the only ones I remember that basically fell in the story. There was the first Doctor's companion, and then there was Adric.
2: Hmm.
0: Um, they they wrote off the Brigadier, but that was just yeah because the you know the performer died, and it wasn't it wasn't story basis. It's just oh he died in natural causes when the Doctor wasn't there.
2: Yeah, I can't think of anyone who's who's actually stayed dead.
0: Currently, and, yeah. Difficult. Actually, now that you think about it, uh, sorry, now that you bring it up, the brigadier is a Cyberman now, isn't he? That was earlier yes. in the last in the season. Run. Oh.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so everybody lives. Great. Fla- flashing <laughs> back to the the season one again. Um, yeah. Uh, Really wish it labeled these better. <laughs> um, so we have them flashing back after Bill gets shot again. So they kind of flash back to the start of the story, then flash back to earlier before the start of the story, and then they come back to the middle of the story. Uh, just, just all around Bill getting shot. Um, I, like, I kind of like that they focused it on Bill, but did they need to jump around as much with that? I know we kind of touched on that earlier, but
3: <clears throat> I, uh, I mean, maybe it was just a reminder for people that might not have been paying attention about the change in the, uh, you know, the, the timelines that were going on. I mean, that's the only reason I can think of why you would do that. Uh but I mean, it's I mean, when I watch something, I pay attention. So you can say that time's moving faster at one end and slower at the other, and you don't have to keep reminding me. I got it.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So, uh, but yeah. that's you know, that's just my take on it. Um, or, it's, or maybe it's just to heighten the impact of okay, she's been shot, and that's not even going to be the worst of it. Now, now we're yeah. going to take away her her humanity. So
0: I don't well, know. Think- the, the, the flashback itself also, it does allow a little more flexibility in the storytelling. If you think about just the scenes that happened beforehand when the Doctor is trying to convince her to go along with his plan to give Missy a shot at being a hero, and okay. then they're up on the roof eating takeout, and you know she's asking a promise to, to keep me alive and he can't, doing that as a flashback means you don't need to bridge between the scenes.
1: Hmm.
0: So if you were to tell it in a linear sense you would have to have scenes between those scenes to tie the whole thing together. But if you go from the regeneration and then flashback to Missy and then flashback further, right? you get that strong high-action high opening, and then you fill in the backstory where it's just the relevant bits and you don't need the interstitial scenes to tie it all together. So, do they really need it? No, they could have written no. those scenes, but then it would have been a slower start than the one we got.
3: Hmm. true yeah this yeah tr- playing this out chronologically would have would have felt like a slog yeah
2: someone's probably edited that way at some point like they did with memento which kind of makes... defeats
3: the purpose yeah. of the exercise the whole...
2: yeah it's I I know how people think they will have done that uh, but do, do you reckon that this entire thing is the master's fault because they say that just a couple of people were sent down to kind of deal with the problems at the bottom of the ship. Which, from the looks of things, could have been sorted fairly quickly, and they could have come back up.
3: But because it was time... sorted quickly, because down there it was taking longer.
2: No, down there yeah, it well... takes... It t- does it not take less time for things to happen down there? Because they, they're working a lot faster than at the top of the ship, because only two days have passed at the top of the ship which is closer to the black hole, so the stuff at the end of the ship is going faster because it's at the back. So they could have gotten oh, everything yeah. fixed and then hopped in the lift and gone back up. But I don't know how uh, long the lifts take.
0: <laughs> well, see, that's the thing, because the, the the science in this irked me initially in two ways, although one we can hand-wave away, hmm. thanks to the Doctor Falls. Um, but th- you do get this time dilation and extreme gravity well. So, you know, the time at the top of the ship was slowed down relative to the bottom. The issues I have with it are that it's written as though it's only affecting the people and not the equipment. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the computers at the top of the ship would not be able to effectively communicate with the computers at the bottom. I mean, how many times do we have timeout errors from slow networks these (laughs) days? (laughs) Now, make it so that the top of the ship experiences two days when the bottom experiences a thousand years... Right? If the yeah. bottom is waiting for response in the top, it's going to time out long before it comes. They're not going to be able to monitor the top of the ship in real time. The natural lighting from the black hole coming in is not going to light the, you know, sort of that cockpit the way it does from the accretion disk. And black holes do have glowing accretion disks around them. You don't have quite that color distribution, and because of the way the black hole is rotating, it wouldn't be a stable point, but they basically said they've got the engines to try and keep it from falling in. So, you know, I, I can cope with that, but it's, if you've got enough time dilation so that a 400 mile long ship is, you know, got two days experiencing at one end and 10,000 or a thousand years experienced at the other, the sheer stresses on that ship are going to tear it apart and you are going to get into this spaghettification. Yeah. and, it's it's a, it's a it's a nice concept to, and an actual science way to explain the time differential but they just mean that time differential too extreme hmm. to, to actually explain why the ship still functions
2: yeah because I really didn't understand how the lifts were going to work <laughs> that that was my main problem yeah. do does it take longer to get down the bottom? But if they're just going on the left, does it get faster? Does the length of time it takes to actually move change? Cause that should be, yeah. <laughs> I, it confused fine. me, but it's also a TV show. So I was happy enough to go, <laughs> okay, I'll just go with it for now. It'll be fine. But then yeah. I was trying to figure out why exactly when they got to the bottom of the ship, did the crew members just decide to start breeding?
0: I t- well, was well, he gonna do? It, it what it it should have been is that you know because of that time differential, they should have explained that the lifts don't work, but then you don't have the Cybermen coming in to, to capture them. Mm. Like, you you could have explained why they got trapped down there, and I do think they were trapped down there before the Doctor was there because yeah. when we hear his backstory, the TARDIS crashed in the city which he took over, right? Oh. Or sorry, the Master, not the Doctor. So the the Master. Those people were there, and the Master stepped in, set himself up as leader, and then was overthrown, so the city was already there.
2: See, that that was where my problem with the lifts was, because if they can get down there and time is moving faster, they should be able to set the engines up and then go back up to the top of the ship without kind of too much time having passed. But the only reason for them to not come up and to stay down there is if the lifts are either not working... Or because there's some crazy guy forcing them to build cities and, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, if if the lifts were based on today's technology, which I Hmm. wouldn't believe in this because that needs gravity to have them hanging by cables. But if it was some sort of artificial gravity with cables hanging off it, well then, yeah, as they get closer and closer to the bottom, the the pulleys at the top of the ship are going to start moving painfully slow relative to the bottom. And that could strand them there, but then you can't use the lifts to come up and get more people
2: yeah either way, there's something odd going on that stopped them coming back up <laughs> yeah, yeah so how long do you reckon the master was in charge down there? a couple of hundred years it's, it's, do you reckon he's responsible for the air getting polluted just through through his yeah. machinations
3: I don't I don't know I don't know what you can infer from from the episode about why that layer of the ship is what it is, other than the fact that clearly the bottom of the ship or the relative bottom of the ship is where the mechanical stuff in the engine rooms are. I mean, other than the fact that we don't know when that ship was built. We don't know if it's running on some sort of fossil fuel or something else that has pollutants in it. Uh, I don't know. It's, that's just way too sciencey a question for
2: me right now. Yeah. Uh, guess I guess
3: mean, that does make sense. Yeah,
0: I mean, it is an industrial revolution age, but it's... I, I don't think that they thought of a way to explain it. I mean, you could sort of hand wave it away to say, well, those are the materials they could scrounge from the ship without destroying the ship and killing themselves in the black hole. Because the society there could have known exactly what was going on, right? They could have passed that down from yeah. generation to generation. So that's what they could safely build for themselves. But I think the only reason to make it Industrial Revolution era was just to explain the cyberpunk feel that you're going to have to have the Cybermen come out of it.
2: And Mm. to have the creepy, creepy kind of of turn-of-the-century doctors kind of thing going on. (laughs) Because I'm guessing that's the kind of vibe they were going for, you know, kind of 1800s, 1900s sanitarium type deal. Just yeah just
0: a couple of notches above bloodletting and leeches
2: yeah <laughs> you know where they send all of the people that they don't want to deal with anymore because the, the creepiest the creepiest thing they had in this was the button that the people kept pressing to say yeah. that they were in in and <laughs> yeah. the volume control was how they dealt with it I, yeah. yeah it's that's fairly dark. But considering, yeah. considering who was running about as the janitor, you know, it kind of <laughs> makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I'm also wondering
3: how,
0: how limited is their vocabulary if it's one key on a regular keyboard per word, and three of them are used by pain Kill, and Me?
3: <laughs> I think the state they're in, they probably didn't want to say anything else.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: yeah, it's just they weren't...
0: Like, he wasn't typing pain by going P-A-I-N. He was tapping one button, and every time he tapped it, it was saying pain.
2: So it's... Maybe it's Super Future Tech, and it actually... Tra- it's, that's just the speak button, and it just translates your thoughts.
0: Yeah. Uh, but it could be like the the Star Trek Next Generation computers that reconfigure themselves to be whatever buttons are relevant now.
2: Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. The, the only reason you need to press multiple buttons is to change the pitch of the random creepy computery voice. Which <laughs> Raymond Briggs did a good job on that, because I watched The Tenth Planet, which I haven't really seen before, um, and the voice is fairly close to the original guys, for the Cybermen.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Hello! My name is Brian. You know, that kind of thing. Because I, I assume at least one of them was called Brian, just so you know. <laughs> It's bound to be at least one of the Cybermen who's called that. I, I know there's one called Bill, but, you know, that's a bit too obvious.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, it's, well, that was a, a reference, but uh, Bill Hardnell's wife was named Heather. Oh. So that's why they chose those names all in the right, pilot.
2: All right. Oh. And wasn't that one of the character names? Yeah, yeah, Heather
0: was the the name of the the girl with the star in her eye from the pilot. So the ah. Bill and Heather as the couple was another callback to the first. Oh, doctor. all right.
3: I didn't realize that. That's great.
0: Yeah, I I really get the feeling that you know Capaldi had some input on this season because they're going back right to the start when he became a fan. Yeah, I mean, down to having the Cybermen trigger his regeneration. Yeah. just like they did with Hartnell, bringing Hartnell's character back
3: for the yeah. Christmas special, and he had a picture yeah. of uh, the daughter, yeah, the Susan. granddaughter Susan on his uh, on his desk in the uh, college, right?
2: Yeah,
0: that, yeah Susan and River Song were there side by side in the photos in the pilot.
2: Would you, they they also had the whole thing where well they're going to have the whole thing where he regenerates happen in a nice snowy landscape as well. Which is kind of how we're introduced to the Cyberman in the first place. I think it's Antarctica. I don't know if he's ended up in Antarctica this time, but you never know. Um, I haven't, I, have avoided as much as I can about the, uh, Christmas special because, uh, I want to be surprised, but I also really want to see it because I watched the trailer. I can't help myself. Looks really good. Yes, it does.
3: We're not there
2: yet. We're not there yet. <laughs> we, we will get there eventually. Uh, what did you think of how the doctors and the nurses were reacting in the hospital along with Ray, uh, Razor? Do you think he was more involved than looked? He's not just the janitor? Or do you reckon I, he... he I, uh...
0: Sorry, go ahead. I, I think he had... You know, he was kind of the puppeteer pulling the strings in the background. So I think he had a lot of influence there, but I don't know if the doctors and nurses realized what influence he had. The the way he was playing Razor, it wouldn't surprise me if they also thought he was the bumbling idiot, but he was just, you know, dropping the little hints and comments that would help them make decisions at key moments. So it feels like they're making decisions in their own mind, but he's actually been nudging them in a certain path the whole time.
2: Because I don't know that he's essentially kind of the creator of the Cybermen through this, but I feel like he nudged them that way. I reckon he saw Mondas and went, Oh, I know where this is going. Hey, let's just help them along. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the the whole thing with him being with Bill for ten years, was it? Yeah. Were were they watching the entire thing? I did like that. Oh, he's raising an eyebrow? He's been raising the eyebrow for a week. You know, that kind of thing. The, the humor that he got to have as, well, Master and Razor. I, I love that. Uh, what is it? The uh, You want the good tea or the bad tea? <laughs> yeah. I call one good, I call one bad.
1: Yeah,
0: good positive outlook will help you with the horrors to come. <laughs> Mostly the tea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's John Sim just really had a chance to shine here. I, you know, when I I appreciated his original Doctor story, but was not in any hurry to see that. Or sorry, his original Master story, but was not in any hurry to see that Master again. Mm-hmm. And now I wish we'd seen a lot more of him.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really hoping that I know he said after being kicked out of Gallifrey he came here, but he doesn't say that he came straight here. You know. I'm hoping for maybe John Saban's Master to maybe interact with Jodie Whittaker at some point. That could be interesting.
0: Yeah, we have that that same flexibility with with actually all incarnations of the Master so far, including ones we haven't seen yet. Because Mm -hmm. um, if you remember in The Five Doctors, the Master was promised by the Time Lords a new set of or new regeneration cycle, because he was almost at the end of his as a reward for helping the Doctor through that situation, which implies there's a lot of regenerations of the Master that we have never seen.
2: Uh, depends how they went. I, I assume that they weren't all kind of wasted when he got, like, disintegrated by the Daleks for for whatever crimes he committed the uh, in the Doctor Who movie. The Paul McGann one?
3: Yeah. They're not, which they're not afraid to pull from, clearly. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know.
2: But I, I like the idea that there are a bunch of other kind of earlier incarnations running about. I mean, I'm trying to remember which number he would have been on. I, I mean, he was near the end of his cycle whenever we met him in the first place. He wasn't, excuse me, too far off? Because, yeah. I'm trying to think, he, he had to steal... Tegan, uh, no. Which, which, which companion was from another planet that was Nyssa? Nyssa? She stole his dad's body? I think? Is that right? Yeah,
0: he, he stole, he was in Nyssa's father's body.
2: Yeah, Keeper yes. of Tracking. Yes, yeah. that's the right one. That's, it's been a while. I, 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 occasionally mess up, uh, Tegan and Nyssa whenever I'm trying to remember which one's which, because I'm trying not to say, uh, Nissa and Sarah, or Tegan and Sarah, or whatever. know yeah, mixing them up with the other thing. Anyway.
0: Well, it, it makes sense to associate them. It was strongly implied that the writers were intending
2: them to
3: be a couple. But anyway.
2: Mm-hmm. Let's see. So, what what did you think of how Nardole was treated in this?
3: I've uh I I've loved him since they since they first introduced him. Uh, it's such a ridiculous character, and. In some ways, he is kind of the uh, I need to hide behind the coattails of the Doctor, but um, he's actually not that character. He's really quite smart, and uh, he does bring some levity, especially when the Doctor is being extremely grumpy. <laughs> and, um, he really, and he really he gets to, he gets to shine in this episode too, where the uh, the uh, the one colonist is clearly taken by him. And he just doesn't does not care, (laughs) you know. Like it's just uh, it's interesting, and it's and I just watching this season now, it's like, oh, he was the creepy guy in uh in Bridesmaids (laughs) with with uh Rebel Wilson as his sister. I'm like, oh, that's him, and he was weird in that, but he's even better in this.
2: I mean, when they started him off, he he did seem like he was just going to be purely comic relief, but one off, yeah. Throughout the entirety of this season, they've gradually just made him into kind of the, I guess, he's a custodian for the Doctor who basically just becomes a kind of hero in his own right.
0: Cause yeah, I think th- this season had some of the best companions in Doctor Who history. Yeah. I mean, I I love Pearl Mackey's bill. I think we're going to see a lot more of Pearl Mackey because if you look her up on the IMDb, she's got almost nothing coming in before this. Yeah. So, I mean, either she's just playing it straight, and that's what pro Mackie's really like, or she's absolutely brilliant, and we're going to see a lot more from her in the future. Uh, And Matt Lucas just, I mean, to to talk about this season as a whole, Mm -hmm. I thought the pilot was a very strong opener, and then I thought there was a lot of bland monsters along the way in stories that were supported largely by the strength of Mackie, as Bill and Lucas as Nardole.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, a little bit with the, the plot threads of the vault, but for the first four or five episodes, it was just a, what's in the vault? But we didn't actually get any closer to it. Yeah. So it didn't... It That's felt cool. like, yeah, they're just reminding us and not telling a story. It really felt like the season was designed to seem more episodic hmm. than most, to try and, you know, bring viewers in, maybe lapsed viewers, maybe new viewers, but I, I, it felt like they were trying to recapture... The last season Matt Smith had leading up to the fiftieth, which you can't really do. I think, Hmm. you know, they're trying to get those numbers back, but you you don't have that fervor around it. It's just there there were some entertaining stories, but ultimately forgettable stories along the way. It was all just about the course of the companions with Bill Nardal and eventually Missy,
1: Hmm.
0: and then we get the the strong finish, which does harken back to the season premiere, but. There were no reminders of that along the way, really, unless you want to count the fact that at the end of uh, World Enough in Time, Bill's tear comes out of the right side of her eye. That final tear she cries in the zoom-in doesn't come out of the side with the tear duct. It comes out of the other side, which is the second science bit that irked me at first. But now that we know what that tear was, it's like, okay, I can buy that because it maybe didn't come from the tear duct.
2: Also (laughs) matches up with the tear duct side on the actual Cyberman costume. Our costume armor. <laughs> <The> look, uh, <laughs> uh,
1: yeah.
2: So possible they were trying to do that. There, there was a lot of kind of callbacks to that kind of thing. I mean, the only Cyberman to kind of have their own personality um, ends up crying. That's what happened at Canary Wharf with, I can't remember her name, but it was the woman who was in charge of Torchwood when she was uh, upgraded. That's how she went. Um, crying about doing her duty and having the oily tears come out. Um, I'm trying to remember. What, there, there were other things. I, I did like the Cyberman costumes from the whole kind of Mondes ones, the upgraded ones mm-hmm. that looked more like the Cybus Industries ones. Didn't have the Cybus Industries symbol on them because that's yeah. not who made them.
3: Yeah. Well, they, mm-hmm. did, a, they did a nice job of of having a plausible reason why you'd be able to see all those variations in the Cybermen. I mean, the fact that they've had a thousand years to upgrade while the Doctor's getting ready for what only he only has a couple of days, essentially. Uh, but you do get to see all those variations is pretty pretty neat.
2: Yeah. Uh, the whole escape at the start of the next episode as well kind of called back to the first encounter with the other genesis of the Cybermen. Where, hanging off a rope ladder, they're escaping on a flying machine with a Cyberman hanging on to the bottom, essentially. It's just... They seemed like they were reusing a couple of things here and there. A couple of visuals. Not saying they're bad visuals, but hey!
3: Well, any show that's been on for this long, you're gonna... You're gonna repeat yourself a little bit. And you call it an homage. (laughs) Yeah, and it's... I I did
0: like that scene, you know, where where the Master and Missy are going, well, really, any requests? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, do, do you want any input on how they're going to die? And they're like, yeah, we don't know how many regenerations you have left, so we don't want to throw over it, the side it, of the building, because we'll just yeah. be up and down the stairs all night. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the, the interactions between Sim and, you know, Michelle Gomez, they were great. Yeah. It's... Slightly creepy at oh. points, but is it creepy? I no, mean,
3: no, it's not. It's, it's to- I totally thought that's where the master was going to go. It's like, is it wrong that I want to make out with you? Like,
2: yeah, because... <laughs> like,
3: no. Nope.
2: He is fairly narcissistic, yes. so that makes perfect sense. <laughs> but is it creepy? But it's himself. But... Yeah, mm. <laughs> do,
1: uh, do you
2: think there's ever been a Time Lord who's actually encountered a past pre- incarnation and Settled down?
3: Settled down? Maybe not. Fling? Yes.
2: Because they wouldn't remember because of the way the timelines work. You know, the memories don't tend to stay solidified with them unless it's really, really drastic. Like being threatened, uh, being almost blown up uh, with an explosion the exact size of Belgium. You know, that kind of Mm -hmm. thing.
0: Or having a crazy lady throw you against a wall. Yeah. I tell you to always bring a spare dematerialization circuit.
2: Which, to be honest, is probably a good idea anyway, just to have spare parts for your ship. You know, <laughs> just in general.
0: Yeah, I think there the point was more, like, carried on your person I, and not I in the turtles. I know. Yeah.
2: But maybe they did have spares and ran out. Um, so, we got to see the original, original... Original Cyberman comeback? Cause I think there have been quite a few different incarnations with different styles of Cyberman. Uh, some of them were excellent. This was, I, I, like I said, I think this was the first time I encountered these ones. Cause I, before last night, I hadn't watched the 10th, 10th planet. Uh,
3: this is the first time those have been back since then. Yeah.
2: What do you think of them going back to that? And just why not? Yeah.
3: Uh, I, I mean, yeah, they do. They do try to add new monsters every season. Um, but there's a reason why you kind of keep going back to the old favorites because they work. And if you're going to go back to an old favorite, what this, re, what the relaunch of the show has been good about has been throwing wrinkles into it. Uh, I mean, the first, like the first time you see the Daleks in the relaunch, it's one Dalek, and he's yeah. not in a position of power uh so that's what the good thing about the relaunch has been is it's been putting those twists in um so for the kids that have only watched the relaunch and they've only seen the you know the uh the cybus industries cyberman and you know the other uh i think they had the what the ones from the nightmare and silver mm-hmm. and uh and now going back to these completely different ones which i think are way more creepy just because you see how they started. Um, Yeah, it's a, I think it was a a good choice. Um, Why not? Why not go back to them? I mean, they used you know, they used the Ice Warriors again in uh, good fashion this season too, so go back to the old classics if you're gonna if you're gonna use uh, stuff from the past, just use it and put a wrinkle in it, which they've done.
2: I mean, it's like Blaine was saying there, that Maybe Capaldi had a bit of an input in kind of seeing some old favorites before he went away.
3: Yeah, I mean, if he knew it was going to be his last hurrah, I'm, you know, I'm sure he went up to Moffitt and be like, Can I have the Ice Warriors? Can I have the and Cybermen? Can I have this, this, and this? You know? Yeah, if...
0: yeah the question is, how soon did he you know that? Because I just remember earlier this year, there were three consecutive days where day one he was in an saying that he loves the part and he's going to be there until they drag him away from it, kicking and screaming. The next day, the BBC said, okay, with Chris Chibnall coming in, we want a clean slate with a new look, a new feel, new everything. And the day after that is when Peter Capaldi says, yeah, I'm stepping away. It's just a machine cranking them out. It's like, <laughs> was it really his choice? Or is the BBC saying, no, we want a new slate. We want a new doctor. Thank you for your time. We appreciate it. But goodbye. huh. I mean, it almost feels like the BBC wanted to part with him, but they say, well, we'll spin it so that it's your choice. Because he, I think he is a great doctor. I think yeah. New Who fans who are, you know, looking for more of the young energy that we had with the tenants of the Smiths, I see where they may not enjoy it. But as someone who's a fan of the classic series and who's enjoyed stories going right back to 1963... I see a lot of that in Capaldi. I I think he is. I I don't want to completely judge a doctor until I've seen their entire story, but given how much is left with Capaldi, he's easily top three. And if I really sit down and rewatch and pick pick it out, he may end up being my favorite Doctor.
3: He's definitely great. Yeah, he's definitely in my top two of the of the relaunch.
2: Yeah, I've enjoyed pretty much everything with him as the Doctor, just not necessarily every story with him as the Doctor. Yeah,
0: yeah There have been some, like I said, I mean, now this season had a lot of lackluster monsters in episodes. So it just felt like buying time to do episodic storytelling
1: hmm.
0: after how heavily serialized things were before. I mean, I, I appreciate the fact that they kept the vault thread going. It would have been nice to have a reminder of Heather before she comes out as the deus ex machina, hmm. just to keep Bill from actually dying here. Yeah. Right. Some hint, even if it was just, you know, not quite to the, the level of subtlety of having Dad wolf in the graffiti through all of season one, <laughs> but it would have been nice if, you know, to have them walk by puddles and stuff during the course of the season and have, Heather's face just kind of appear watching them and then disappear again, so yeah. we know Heather's keeping track.
2: Well, maybe maybe she is. Maybe we just haven't noticed. Maybe there's flashes of her in reflections here and there, and she's been watching the entire time. I don't know that I've seen that, yeah. but you never know.
3: Oh, uh, some uber-nerd like us would have <laughs> picked that out already. <laughs> yeah, it, they
0: could have made it subtle enough that I would miss it. They wouldn't have made it subtle enough that all the Doctor Who Facebook groups I'm in would have missed it and not had screen captures going, oh my god, look! Yeah.
2: I, I'm so. pretty sure there are some people who do watch it frame by frame.
3: By frame. I will I'm quote right. William Shatner on Saturday Night Live. Get a life!
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the kind of thing where if they managed to keep it hidden for a certain length of time they would probably reveal it after about a month or two so say hey we showed this the entire way through and you didn't see it aren't we great yeah so <laughs> what did you think of how Bill was as a Cyberman and how they kind of dealt with that because I thought it was a brilliant idea having her essentially perception filter herself so that we could have Pearl Mackie acting and not just being Nicholas Briggs in a robot costume wandering around.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. That was a, a, that was a fantastic thought and choice to to keep it not just as Pearl Mackie for our sakes, but I'm sure that also helps with the budget in an episode that's straining the budget to not have to put her in
3: makeup every time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, because then you can do the the great thing of you can have the, the reaction of, you know, her realizing that she is not what she thinks she is and you can play that and uh, it's great. It's, uh, it's, it's really heartbreaking when she does have that realization in the barn <laughs> where uh, she just kind of just breaks down it's uh, yeah. I don't know. It's I'm at a loss for words for that because it's she. She was every. She really brought a lot uh, this season as the, like I said, just like the normal, the normal kid. Like what? A, what? What would a normal kid be like on these adventures? And I Rose was partially like that too. But then they made Rose out to be more than, you know, just a normal kid. This really was just his a. Uh, Somebody in college has kind of a normal normal life. Not exactly, you know, her mother is dead and she's got some issues, but
1: mm-hmm.
3: just take this this normal person on, on these adventures and see what happens, and we get to see what happens. Her worldview is broadened, but at the same time, she also has to deal with the consequences of it, and this episode is dealing with the consequences of traveling with the doctor. Yep. And it's not what she wanted even though the doctors even the doctor straight up tells her you know he can't always protect her so now she's getting the have that seed come to fruit and uh she's not not terribly happy about it but yeah
0: I, i really like the fact that the only thing that set her apart to really start her association with the doctor was the fact that when she didn't understand something she smiled instead of frowned that's what made him pick her out of the audience during his lectures and start tutoring her.
2: And also the fact that she just went along to the classes, even though she wasn't a student. She just wanted yeah. she wanted to learn,
3: wanted to be there. Yeah, yeah.
0: But, she was the, the chip girl who would fatted the the hot chick she was initially interested
2: in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> Uh-huh. one of the things i liked about uh when bill discovers the whole kind of being a cyberman thing is how the doctor treats the girl just with the line uh, don't apologize never never say sorry for being kind which yes. that that i think that's basically what this doctor's been trying to be the entire time. He's, it's what he wants to be. He doesn't always succeed. I don't think necessarily. No. But and he... that's
3: been from the beginning of, of his run. I mean, yeah. at the beginning of Deep Breath, at the end of Deep Breath, where you're not quite sure of what he's going to be, because he's pretty sinister at the end of that, at his first episode,
2: hmm.
3: and finally coming full circle with this one. The whole thing is about kindness
2: yeah that's why he's trying to save of the people not because he knows he can definitely do it or because he knows he can win but just because it's the right thing to do and because it's the kind thing to do
3: that speech he gives to missy and the master is one of his best scenes in his whole run yeah and it's it because at this point he's already dying right
2: yeah he knows he, it
3: he's already dying he has nothing left than to just be honest with them, and it is no tricks up his sleeve. It's just, this is the person I am. This is the person that you could be, and I love the fact that <laughs> the master is just remains the master. This hmm. is the face of someone that didn't hear a word you said. It's, uh, you know, it would have been really convenient for them to have that feel-good switcheroo moment where the three of them team up and they don't do it. It remains consistent with their characters, which was great.
2: Also, the fact that the Doctor's never going to know that Missy actually was coming back to help.
3: I know, and it's heartbreaking.
2: He actually did manage to change her mind.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Michelle Gomez played that brilliantly. You could see... You no, know, right after John Sims says, I didn't listen to a word you just said. When John Sims takes a step forward and out of her periphery, she her face kinda cracks a bit. Yeah. So she's playing it one way. She's playing the Missy playing things for the master and not letting her true feelings out. When the master's not looking at her, then Michelle Gomez kinda breaks from the character Missy is playing to let a lot of that through.
2: Yeah.
0: So, yeah. Uh yeah. Yeah. Um, I I do have a question about that regeneration. When he was saying, no, not again, I don't want to change, and that eventually just collapses after blowing everything up, do you guys think the Doctor was trying to not just maintain this form, but actually die instead of regenerate? Was he just done with it
2: after this? I don't think so. I I think it's more of a he wants to remain being himself. Just yeah. from how, just from how he reacts at the end, you know, it was more of a, I'm not changing, I'm not going to change, I'm not doing it. Yeah, yeah was, I think
3: I think there's too much self-preservation yeah. in him to want to die, because if he dies, then he can't help people anymore. Um, and I think that's his greatest goal is to just continue helping people. But it's one of those things that imagine if every three or four years you were a completely different person. What does that do to your psyche? You know, Mm -hmm. I I imagine it would be maddening. And so it's, it's, I think it's completely understandable that he would get to a certain point after dying 11 or 12 times to say, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. It hurts. And I, and I can't, I don't want to have to start over.
0: Yeah. It's the first time I watched it, I read it it as just trying to prevent the regeneration. But the second time through seeing how long he was dead without regenerating. I'm wondering, like, you know, if if they they hadn't come in, right, if Heather hadn't intervened, would that have just been the end, and his desire to stay as the Capaldi version and prevent regeneration just ended up in his death, accidental or otherwise?
2: Yeah, It may be that he had to get back to the TARDIS, you know, having held it off for so long. Because the Doctor originally kept saying he had to get back to the TARDIS in the 10th planet and that's when he changed when he finally got back there so maybe if he puts it off for a little too long the only way he can actually kind of complete the process kind of safely is to be back home
1: mm.
2: you know maybe there's something in the TARDIS that helps him maybe just the TARDIS chooses to help him and I'm reckoning that's why the TARDIS has taken him where he's gone for the Christmas special because he needed someone to kind of talk him into changing? Someone who has half uh, an idea?
0: Yeah, I, I expect that uh, the, the Christmas special is going to help him accept the change. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how the moment helped the War Doctor see a future he needed to see in Day yeah. of the Doctor. I, I think the TARDIS does have a similar plan for him.
2: Hmm. Do you reckon the TARDIS Mm. is, like, an omnipotent presence that knows everything and just happens to know where the Doctor's needed all the time? Or is it just having fun and just kind of, like, spinning things on random and hoping for the best?
0: Well, there is the line from the Doctor's wife that we spoke about Mm. earlier, that episode where Idris, you know, the Doctor says, well, you didn't always take me where I wanted to go. And the personified TARDIS in Idris responds, Yeah, but I always took you where you needed to be.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And the doctor goes, Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah. So clearly, I, I think the doctor, at the very least, the doctor can kind of aim the TARDIS, but the TARDIS has the ability to, to skew a little bit off of that target <laughs> to, to hit something in that vicinity where the doctor's needed.
2: Because uh, you can't always aim when you desperately, desperately need to aim. Like, in this one, it would have been really helpful to hop in the TARDIS and just travel down to the lower floors just to kind of collect mm-hmm. everyone, but that's not going to happen because... Was it the gravity dilation that was throwing them off? I think
0: yeah, so. that's what he said. The, this close to a, a black hole, you can't control it, and that that I will totally accept. That makes a lot more sense than why they don't use the TARDIS and so many others. If you go back to the, <laughs> yeah. the classic era... There's a few seasons there where it's just oh, and the bad guys captured the TARDIS, so we can't use it.
2: Yeah, it's yes. just how did they get on the bridge in the first place then? But that's beside the point. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> well, the bridge—the bridge was at the opposite end, right? That wasn't being the, the bridge was either. the end
0: closest to the, the black hole, so yeah. it's the more oh. extreme, and that because the black hole slows time down, it doesn't speed time up. Right. Right. Okay.
2: Because they're reversing away from the black hole, which means. Unless their ship is really odd and the engines are next to the cockpit. You know, it's just...
0: Yeah, so if if they wanted to keep it totally consistent, the Doctor's TARDIS would have materialized somewhere in the general vicinity of the Master's TARDIS, and then they would have spoiled (laughs) the end reveal in a completely different way. (laughs) Although the Chameleon Circuit and the Master's TARDIS works, so they may not have known that's what they were looking at. That's
2: true. What do you reckon it changed into this time?
3: In that in, society? In that society. Oh, boy. Uh, a telephone pole? No, too small. Well, I was going to say too yeah. small, but I guess that really doesn't matter.
0: Nope. Uh, <laughs> well, it, 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 it should be big enough to have a door to walk through because the doorway seems to be normal proportions it, in, see, in this series. The uh, classic series, it wasn't. The doors inside the TARDIS were huge compared to the exterior.
2: Yeah.
0: But the, the master would have issues coming out of a telephone pole.
2: It, I've seen him go in and out of columns, and I'm never sure if the column's big enough. Go, but there's not even a door on that. How'd you get into there?
3: <laughs> oh, man. I'm trying to... Th- what What would somebody in a... in a... nascent industrial society not want to go near?
0: Maybe uh, they materialize looking like an outhouse that hadn't been cleaned in a decade.
3: And yeah, something like that, or... Yeah, because I was going to say, like, coal processing plant, but no, people would want to work there. Plus, Uh, the
2: outhouse, if you're desperate enough, you know... You'll
3: go. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, man. Then again, it could just look like a crappy outhouse, but you're not going to get in unless you have the key, so... Uh Yeah. It could just look like a tool shed that's
0: very well locked or something.
1: Tool shed
3: works. I'm sticking with outhouse. I like that (laughs) idea better. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, but then I guess so that would be, what, time under relative dimension in
3: space? What would the U be? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the tortoise. There we go. I want, it's, is it brown? Is his brown? Uh, That's the level of discourse that I bring to these shows. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so what what did everyone think about the fact that the cybermen were tracking the children and the doctor had to figure out a way to kind of stop that cuz that's some that's something else that i i was unsure about at first I was going what what's happening here and then i realized oh that's that's the whole point with blowing everything up in the first place is that we need them to stop keeping an eye on the children so they can escape and get out of the place
3: yeah
0: yeah i i like that I, I liked everything in the conclusion until he blew up the entire floor and somehow didn't disintegrate himself, yeah, that's I, I'm trying to figure out how his body is still in one piece to regenerate and continue
3: after all of that
2: because he has uh, protagonist magic. do you not know this?
3: <laughs> plot it's got plot armor. yeah, there we go, yeah.
2: it it yep. shields him from from most of the blast. plus the blast was going away from him because that's how that's how fire works, right? It only goes in one direction. I was watching Independence Day, and it travels really, really slowly down a tunnel. So you can, you're fine. It, it, big massive explosions do not move at the speed you think they do. It's, it's. They're near a black hole. There's a black hole as well. And, there we go,
3: black hole. There we go. And, and there
2: was a swamp gas refracting the light off of Venus and made them think <laughs> that it blew up. Yeah. Something like well, that.
0: Well, I I will agree that, that Hollywood explosions have distorted us from regular explosions to the point where there's an episode of Babylon five where there's an explosion at the bottom of a long shaft and fans complain that it looked totally unrealistic and totally fake and it, it was just terrible special effects and then you find out that none of the special effects crew knew what an explosion would look like in a very long shaft, so they did the special effect by blowing something up at the bottom of a very long shaft on camera and just put it there. Yep. <laughs> so, because, so that was just like they just filmed it and used the actual footage of blowing something up at the end of a very long shaft. <laughs> and people were like, that looks fake. It's like, no, you know what? That, that's one time when they actually did blow something up. And under have you exactly watch Babylon conditions.
3: 5, it's not about the effects.
1: No.
0: Oh, God. No, yeah, it's, it's... The Babylon 5 is definitely about the stories. And yes. They, to be fair, the effects are much better than they have any right
3: to be given the effects yeah. budget they were working with. Oh, yeah. But this is not the Babylon 5.
2: Probably a lot of reused shots of the outside of the ship part oh, yeah. at that station. Oh,
3: yeah. But this is not yeah, the Babylon 5, No. I'll get to that eventually. <laughs>
2: it's it's in the it's in the queue somewhere.
3: Yeah, I, 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 have, plans. <laughs> I have plans. Eventually. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. No the uh, the action scenes where where the doctor is getting to run around and trigger the explosions. It's uh, that was fun. I, 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 I know the, the the doctor is not an action action guy usually. So when he does get to let loose and and it's not him slugging guys or shooting guys, it's him triggering explosions, you know. So it's but it's fun. I mean, it, yeah. who doesn't want to see some robots get blown up? Yeah. You know.
2: Question: Have his shirt has his shirt cuffs always been kind of unbuttoned, or is that a new thing for for this episode? Because it it reminded me a little of uh, the kind of ruffs at the bottom of. John Pertley stuff, and then he went and did Venusian Jiu-Jitsu.
0: Yeah, the Venusian Aikido. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Aikido.
2: <sighs> Keep getting yeah. it mixed up. It started off as karate. I know that much. And then they changed it. Yeah.
3: His his costumes have changed <clears throat> slightly over the course of his of his three seasons. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe it was a, a direct reference to saying, "Hey, I want to yeah. put a little bit more flair in." Um, because I mean, yeah, it's... I mean, there were. Yeah, they had a few callbacks here between.
0: It could have been that. I mean, this is where he brought back the jelly babies. Jelly yeah, babies, yeah.
3: yeah.
2: I'm wondering if, because this is his last regular episode, he was trying to get at least one thing from each doctor thrown in. Just as a little reference, just as a little nod, just to finish things up. Before leading up to the. Kind of final reveal, I guess, with David Bradley showing up.
0: Yeah, it is possible because we definitely had Doctor Number One. Yeah, we had the final lines of,
3: uh, of
1: uh, uh,
2: Baker.
3: Uh, yeah, Baker, Tenant, and uh, Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: so the, yeah. the Jelly Babies actually started with Doctor Number Two, even though they're most closely associated with Four,
1: because.
0: Uh-huh. Tom Baker kind of lashed onto them and ran with it. <laughs> but they, they started with with Patrick Troughton.
2: Um, so that, that could be a link to him. Uh, who
0: else? Yeah I um, yeah we definitely have the the Venusian Ni was absolutely that's uh, a, a, a Pertwee. so
2: I have to wonder when he learned it. He has to have done it as the first doctor or possibly the second right? One of those two have to have learned it, or at least he had to watch a lot of Venusian Aikido films at some point.
3: Could he have learned yeah. it as a child on
2: Gallifrey? Uh-huh. Ah, it's a possibility. Yeah,
3: he had to, because
0: yeah, you're the Third Doctor was using it when he was exiled to Earth and didn't have the ability to travel, so yeah. he had to have have learned it prior to that. So yeah, it's most like we have the most room for him to learn it as Hartnell's Doctor rather than Trouton's, just because of the serialized nature of the show there's not a huge amount of room for interstitial stories you know that every single crack has a Big Finish story in it but <laughs> <laughs> it's not tremendous
2: I wonder how many Big Finish stories have, have like small like breakaway points where they could put another story into it just, how, how far into this Matryoshka doll can we go you know all of the little kind of smaller, smaller, smaller stories inside.
3: If there's a buck to be made, they'll, they'll find a way.
2: As long as stories are good, I'm happy enough for them to keep doing it.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, even some of them are making their own cracks. They've had a couple stories that are nothing but companions, I believe.
2: Yeah. Um, and now they've got Torchwood ones going. Uh, I saw yeah. a trailer for one of those recently because they have trailers for these. So, it's going, oh, that could be interesting. But yes, I, I do not have any more notes that I can remember <laughs> for this one. So, any other final thoughts?
3: Uh, strong, strong finish for uh, for this season. Um, as, as slow as the season was to start, uh, the back half of, of Season 10 was pretty darn strong, and uh, this two-parter was... Excellent, like feature film level. Excellent in terms of uh, emotional content and uh, and impact. So, um, yeah, I think one of of the one of the best outings for Capaldi, easily.
0: Hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I would say the same. The this season had a strong pilot, and then a fairly bland middle stretch but it finished really strong with these two.
2: Yeah. They saved the best for last, I think. You know, if, if you're going to finish off a, a Doctor's story, you may as well go with the Master. Or multiple Masters.
3: Is this <laughs> the first time they've done a multi-Master story?
2: I think so. I don't know that yeah. I've ever seen multiples before. Because the original was a sudden pa- uh, suddenly passed away in a car crash. You know? Uh, mm-hmm. Roger Delgado. Uh, so they wouldn't have had a chance to bring him back for anything, and they didn't really have a proper master for quite a while mm. between the kind of next one and then it's Eric Roberts, because I think it was the weird uh, kind of crispy version, it looked like.
3: Yeah, it didn't have a really a body, right?
2: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So... Yeah, this is this must be the first one I'm looking forward to the five masters at some point maybe oh,
3: Eric Roberts has to be in there <laughs> that, uh, hey, I like the Eric Roberts snake eyes version come on
2: it would be a way to go uh, hopefully they'll go that way yeah. at some point <laughs> yeah
3: it would be a way to go yeah <laughs> I'm the I am the lone Eric Roberts defender <laughs> but I, hey
0: well <laughs> you know I'm I wouldn't say I'm an Eric Roberts defender but I don't bash him either no. um, the the issues I have with the Eric Roberts master I cannot confidently say the issues are with Eric Roberts and not the script
3: that they were all working from <laughs> <laughs> that's, well that's kind of the biggest problem with that joint in general <laughs> is the script yeah. my, biggest yeah, I, yeah.
2: my biggest problem with that my biggest problem with that script is that they killed off the 7th Doctor, it still annoys me but you know, that's, that, that's a, for a completely separate reason at least
3: he got an actual on-screen send-off.
2: Yeah. Have,
3: are there any that yeah. haven't had it now? Are
2: there any doctors... Yeah,
3: Colin that... Baker.
0: Did... Colin Baker was fired, and it was... For that regeneration at the start of the uh, Sylvester McCoy era, it yeah, was Sylvester, Sylvester yeah, McCoy in lying a face down in a wig. Um, but technically that Patrick, was an
2: on-screen one? The character
0: was on-screen, yeah. but the, the actor wasn't. So uh. If we go from there... Um, so we, we definitely saw Hartnell's, because yeah. that was... I, I almost wish yeah. I could have been a fan in those days just to have that, oh my god, reaction, because that had to be a shock.
2: Yeah. Uh, and Troughton's... Trout yeah, Troughton was sort
0: of able to, to... Yeah, he picks his next face, but it looks pretty clear like they hadn't cast it and didn't know who he was going to be. we Like, they show him three photos and say, who do you want to be next? And he points to one, but the fans never see who he points to. Um... Pertwee's on screen. I think they're all on screen from that point. The only one that we didn't see initially was McGann um, to Eccleston. Which Although is they McGann did put that to... in, they have Yeah, it turns out to be yeah McGann to the to John Hurt as the War Doctor, which I was going to say worked out really well because it gave Moffat that window. Yep, to do Night of the Doctor, to do War the War Doctor, and the Day of the Doctor, and then. We see him going into Eccleston at the end of Day of the Doctor. So now we've got the timeline.
2: Yeah, it keeps everything straight in everyone's head, and nobody's gonna complain because nobody complains about anything on the internet. No, ever. especially
3: not Doctor Who fans. <laughs> no, that's yeah. not a, that's not a thing. No, no, never, never has been.
2: So, <laughs> I reckon we should probably finish up there. Um, where can we find Jubilant?
0: Um, I've got a number of projects running at Bureau42.com or you can just search for me, w. Blaine Dowler, and iTunes, Stitcher, whatever podcatcher you use and it will be there.
2: Cool. Uh, what about you, Chris?
3: Alright. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror on the Tutor Freaks Network. I am on Weekly Heroics with Scott McGregor where we cover the uh, current uh, superhero slash comic book based tv shows also on the tutor freaks network i do cast protection with dave Atterberry and jonathan Kreitz, where we cover stranger things and stuff tangentially related to stranger things also on the tutor freaks network and um yeah i occasionally pop up on uh, other stuff like uh uh eat it and beat it on the tutor freaks network that's a food and porn podcast don't listen <laughs> with the kids um, and, uh, is it Jaws I pop up on? I'm all over the place. You get, go to Two True Freaks, you'll find me somewhere.
2: <laughs> cool. Yeah, that, that's basically yeah. where I pop up these days. You can find me here, but also on No Consoles for Old Men with, uh, Scott McGregor. And if you do feel like you want to talk to us about the show, send an email to whofreaks at gmail.com. Not whotruefreaks at gmail.com. Whofreaks. Cause, that's our that's our current email address, and we still haven't gotten anything into it, and we're very sad.
3: Yes, please send us something. Tell us how wrong we were about our predictions for the next yeah. Doctor.
2: And if you have sent stuff to the old email address, feel free to forward it on to us.
3: Yes, please do. Even if it's a scam from a Nigerian prince.
2: Yeah, I haven't, I haven't even got any of those.
3: I know it's sad.
2: It's 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 fairly disappointing. Yeah. I mean, or discount
3: Viagra ads. We'll take those too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting those fax
0: to work now. The Nigerian print scams. What? (laughs) (laughs) They're coming in on the fax machine, not even
3: by the email. This This fax spam back
1: once again the renegade master power to the back once again the
3: renegade master damage if you shop at amazon.com please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there if you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop two true Freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra so you get to shop as usual and help out the two true freaks at
0: the same time Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two
3: True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com.
0: My grade 10 math teacher was a phys ed teacher who got a math minor for employability and not because she particularly cared about <laughs> the subject. Oh, dear. So about two months into the semester, my classmates were coming to me with their questions instead of her, which oh, she didn't boy. appreciate. Hmm. And At one point, she lost it and told me that I wasn't allowed to talk to another human being. And, or, First of all, she says, I am the teacher. You should be coming to me, not to him. Blaine, you're not allowed to talk to another one of your classmates until you can tell me what 2 Exponent 25 is. And I said thirty three million five hundred fifty four thousand four hundred and thirty two without batting an eye and went back to helping the kid who came to me for a question. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, my classmates were going to the teacher and like, was that right? And she's going, I don't know for a calculator. Oh man. <laughs> because I was enough of a computer nerd I had two to the twenty-four memorized because that's that sixteen million seven hundred and seventy-seven thousand two hundred and sixteen is the number of different variables you could store in three bytes of space. <laughs> and when you said you need to ca- calculate two exponent twenty-five before you talk to another person, But before you talk to another person was enough lead time for me to start calculating it in my head. <laughs> so when I start, when I got to the thirty-three million, I wasn't sure how it was going to end, but I got there fast enough.
3: <laughs> <to laughs> I off. That's great. Uh, yeah, that has to be part of the episode. <laughs> you got to put that story I, in. That's a great story.
2: I have to stick it after the credits. You All have right. to. You know.
3: That's a fantastic story.